Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Hey TCC, thanks for joining us. My name is Pastor Shane. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, please turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 21, and that will bring us to the end of the letter and to this sermon series. I hope that you have benefited from our time in this book together. We, we call this series Trustworthy Sayings, and they are most certainly that, uh, but we also saw some challenging statements in this letter, some difficult statements, some awkward statements even, but we submit to all of scripture as God breathed and in so doing we allow it to transform us. This is a letter from the Apostle Paul to Timothy in regards to the church in Ephesus. So it's very particular. It's dealing with a specific time period and place and particular issues in a particular church. And you wouldn't think that it would apply at all to a 21st century American church in Tulare, California. And yet it does because it is the word of God. And isn't it striking just how relevant this letter is for our lives and for our church? I hope that has been your experience of it. I think that the passage we're at today is incredibly relevant. So let's turn there now. But you, man of God, flee from all this. Okay, hold on. Our, our passage seems to be in the middle of a thought, right? What's the this that he's referring to? All of this. What's the this? So let's think back to last Sunday, to Ty's message, and let's glance back up a little bit in our Bibles, refresh our memories. He was talking about the love of money, the lack of contentment. Go back a little further. He talks about false doctrine as a means to get financial gain. And he warns us against unsound doctrine and teaching. Okay, so, but you, man of God, flee from false teaching, flee from the love of money, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their faith in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing have departed from the faith. Grace be with you all. This is the word of the Lord. So I had some vacation. I got away for a little bit. I just got back into town on Thursday. My wife and I were celebrating our 15th anniversary. Uh, marriage is quite a monumental thing, isn't it? You know, I, I saw on the news recently that Bill and Melinda Gates were getting divorced after 27 years of marriage. And that's a sad thing. In the press statement that they released, they used a common line that you often hear with these sorts of things. They said, we ask for space and privacy. 
understandable. And isn't it a very personal and private matter? It's not my marriage. It's not your marriage. So is it really any of our business? Well, marriage is very personal and exclusive and private in ways. But it's not just that. When we get married, we stand up in front of everybody, in front of witnesses. There have to be witnesses. And we make public pronouncements, public vows to one another. And there's paperwork involved. There's a record. It's public. Now, why is that? Because marriage is in the public interest. Marriage is the bedrock of civilization. It's the cornerstone of society. The marriage rate impacts our society. The divorce rate impacts our society. It's in the public interest. It's relational and very personal, and there are private things within it that should always be private, but marriage is meant to be public. Now, you might be scratching your head going, this is kind of a weird diatribe. Am I on the wrong passage? I, I don't see anything at all about marriage here. Well, here's what I want us to think about. Verse 12, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. The Apostle Paul is pointing Timothy to his profession of faith, which you'll notice he made in the presence of many witnesses. It is public. It's in view. It's before the church. You know, one of the common analogies that Pastor Steve uses to explain infant baptism is to say it's a marriage engagement, but you still have to say, I do. When my wife said yes to the marriage proposal, that was just between us, but the I do's we're in the presence of many witnesses. And that's a picture for us. When it, when it comes to saving faith in Christ, that is often a private moment. That is often a personal moment. But our profession is meant to be in the presence of many witnesses. A good marriage is not just to your benefit. It's to the benefit of society. There is a public interest. And likewise, your faith is not just to your good, but to the good of fellow believers. It's in the interest of the church. You know, people sometimes want to shrug that off. Right? I've accepted Jesus. I have a relationship with Jesus. Why do I need to get up in front of the church? It's not that I don't love Jesus. It's just that I really don't like being in front of people. But we somehow manage it when we're getting married. Is that relationship somehow more important to you than Christ? Now, maybe you do want to just, you know, go down to the courthouse. Even that has to have witnesses. But, but it's kind of funny. You'll see this in movies and television all the time, right? There's a couple, and one of them wants to elope, right? You know, oh, I don't want a big wedding. I just want to go and get married, and, and they'll debate, and they'll discuss, and it's tempting. But then, inevitably, one of them will say, no, I want to do this right. I want to do this right. And so the other party relents, right? Even if that is what you would want, uh, there's another party involved. So what does God want? Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verse 8, I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. If we can't even profess Christ in front of family then how are we going to hold fast in the face of real hostility? 
Paul is telling Timothy, hold on to sound doctrine. Guard what has been entrusted. Be like Jesus who professed the truth even knowing it would lead to suffering. Verse 13, in the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. Here's what his confession looked like in Luke. When it was day, the council of elders of the people assembled, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council chamber saying, if you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask a question, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. They didn't believe Jesus. People may not believe the truth of our profession either. But the point of our profession is not simply to convince people or persuade people, though it might lead to that. The point of profession is to proclaim the truth, to hold fast to the truth because it is the truth, if for no other reason. Because it is the truth. Because Jesus is seated at the right hand of mighty God. And he will return, as it says in our passage. I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honor and might forever. Amen. But back to Luke now, back to Jesus' good confession. And they all said, so you are the son of God. And he said to them, you say correctly that I am. And then they said, what further need do we have of testimony? For we have heard it ourselves from his own mouth. Then the entire assembly of them set out and brought him before Pilate. And they began to bring charges against him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to pay taxes to Caesar and saying things that he himself is Christ a king. Now Pilate asked him, saying, So you are the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, It is as you say. You know, Pilate in the Gospel of John tells Jesus, Do you not know that I have the authority to release you? And I have the authority to crucify you, right? Just say the words, give him the right answer, and he'll spare you suffering. But Jesus will not. He will not deny his father. He will not deny himself. He is the king. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. That is the truth. He is the truth that sets men free. And he's mocked for it. And he's beaten for it. And he suffers for it. And he's crucified for it. And Paul tells Timothy, yeah, be like that. Stand firm like that, holding firm to the truth, to sound doctrine. Hold to your good profession. Jesus asked a question to his followers, and it's one that we all need to answer. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The church starts with and is defined by profession. Make no mistake about it, what the church offers the world fundamentally is the truth. If we stray from that, if we deny his words, if we deny the truth, it will lead to ruin. Paul said in this letter that some people have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, Timothy, You, listen to these words again, but you, man of God, flee from all this 
and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So many action words there. Flee, run away from evil, pursue righteousness, fight, fight, take hold of eternal life, guard what has been entrusted. You know, as good reformers, we believe in the perseverance of the saints, which simply means once saved, always saved. And I think there's lots of reasons to have assurance of your salvation. But don't just say, oh, I'm saved, and then just gloss over these action words. In just this one letter, look at all of these warnings. We saw in chapter 6, verse 10, he said, some have wandered from the faith. Verse 21 in our passage, it says that some have departed from the faith. Or chapter 1, verse 19, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. Chapter 4, verse 1, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Chapter 5, verse 15, some have, in fact, already turned away to follow Satan. Now, whether or not that's referring to their eternal state, these are still warnings that we need to take seriously. You know, when you get married, you get up in front and you make professions and you make vows and you get married and the two become one. And something profound happens there that's spiritual as much as it is sociological, but it doesn't end there. That's not the end. That's the beginning of a life and journey together. And it's filled with action words. Flee temptation. Hold on to the promises that were made. Fight for the marriage. You know, that's also why profession needs to be in front of witnesses, in view of the church, for accountability. In the same way that we make marriage public and we're the signifiers of it, that's in part for accountability. You know, my wife and I sort of modified the traditional marriage vows, and so our vows actually are on display in our house. And sometimes, during certain fights over the years, I would reflect on our vows, and it would get me to a place where I would say, you know, I promised you this, and I'm not living up to that. There are many times that our walk with Christ doesn't match our confession of Christ, and we need to turn back to our good confession. You know, recently I had the joy and the privilege of baptizing my youngest son, and he was so excited about it. He was literally counting down the days. And so when he was sitting in the water, I told him, the countdown is over, but this is not the end. This is the start of a journey with Christ. Stand firm. Hold on. Fight. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy in his final remarks. Verse 20, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing have departed from the faith. That sort of secret knowledge quite possibly was the beginning stages of Gnosticism, which was an early church heresy. It's derived from the word gnosis, which just means knowledge. So the Gnostics claimed that they had secret knowledge of how the world really was. And the basic idea was that the, the physical world is corrupted and evil and only the spiritual is good. And so our spiritual selves are sort of trapped in the material world and only through acquiring the secret knowledge are you able to free yourselves from the bondage of the material world. And you hear something like that and you may be wondering, 
why on earth would people turn to that when we have the beauty and truth of the gospel? Why would we wander from sound doctrine when we have the good news? It seems hard to imagine, and then I remember that it's Pride Month. You know, humanity can take the sin of pride and celebrate it for an entire month because they think it's loving. It's virtuous. Well, you can see the temptation there. I want to be loving. I want to be kind. I want to be nice. I want to be affirming. And all you need to do to be those things is acquire the secret knowledge. You think the Bible says homosexual behavior is a sin? Or you just don't know the secret knowledge? If you hold the Bible upside down and and squint, you'll have the secret knowledge. You think males are males and females are females? No, you just need the secret knowledge. And then you'll see that gender is a social construct. You know, it's kind of funny. The the transgender issue is, in many ways, a form of Gnosticism. Their true selves, their spirit is trapped in the corrupted physical, and they need to be liberated from it. And so many people are wandering from the sound doctrine of Christianity towards this. But as for you, as for you, stand firm, take hold, fight. Don't be deluded. As much as we profess that the gospel is good news, we too can be tempted by false teaching. And likewise, we can be tempted by false assurances. Verse 17, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Oh, in so many ways, at so many times, our profession of Christ doesn't match our walk with Christ. We profess that our trust is in Christ. We profess that our hope is in Christ. We profess that our assurance is in Christ. But is that true in our lives? Or is our trust in our bank account? Is our trust in our retirement plans? Is our trust in our own cleverness or our own capacity or our own capability? You know, I'm a smart businessman. That's why I'm successful. I'm a harder worker. That's why I'm successful. I'm, I'm talented. I'm gifted. That's why I'm successful. You know, I, I'm really bad at a lot of things. Uh, but there are some things that I'm really good at, you know, some ways that I'm gifted. And in my life, I've experienced people who were envious of my gifts. And you've probably had that too, because we all have gifts. And that can make you feel proud. That can make you feel arrogant. It can make you feel superior. But then you have certain moments of real clarity where you go, wait, wait a minute, we're talking about gifts And yes, you do have to use your gifts and apply your gifts, but they're gifts. And gifts are things that are given, not things that are earned. God gave these gifts. We had no say in it. God gave them. And so, and that's liberating. That's a liberating thought. It frees you from worry and anxiety and frees you from arrogance, where instead of pride, you're filled with gratitude. It's liberating. Oh, we know in life that it's far easier to spend someone else's money. So it's liberating to think, oh, it's all God's money. 
It's liberating when we see where our security really lies. It's not our finances. It's not our job. It's not our capacity or our capability. Well, those things can be taken away in a moment. You know, Jesus tells us a story and he warns us about this. Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? It's interesting, right? It said the ground yielded an abundant harvest. The ground did it. The land gets the credit. It's from God, maker of heaven and earth. God gave, and he can take it away. So we put our hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. That's a striking line, isn't it, for our enjoyment? Oh, there are many ways that our profession of Christ doesn't match our walk with Christ. We profess that Christ satisfies. We profess that Christ came to give us life to the fullest. But in our own lives, we often don't want them anywhere near it. Because what we often think is that, that God is a killjoy and a thief. And so our hope and our trust is not in Christ, but ourselves to, to rightly manage our own lives. See, God's use of my money is not going to be enjoyable. God's use of my time is not going to be satisfying. God's use of my gifts is not going to be gratifying. And so we hold on tightly to all of that instead of holding on to Christ. And Paul says, no, let that go. Remember your good confession. Give generously, share willingly, lay up treasures in heaven, and take hold of the life that is truly life. Jesus is the way that we follow. Jesus is the truth that we profess. Jesus is the life that we hold to. Stand firm. Take hold. Fight. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.